0: join us for PR Safari, a podcast by Center for Public Relations. PR Safari, your ultimate guide to navigate the complex PR landscape in Africa. Find us at www.cpr.africa. Hello, my name is Chris Wangalua. Our guest and guide in this episode is Winnie Gore, the CEO of Winnie Gore Consultancy. In this episode, Winnie gives us intriguing examples around brand PR and presidential events. She also touches on her PR career beginnings.
1: Wow, so, well, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer, but I have several members of our family who are in PR. And my auntie called me one time and she was like, you know, knowing your personality, I think you're going to be very bored in law. She was like, you know, the little girls who come into my office, she was working at one of the agencies at the airport. She was like, I work with a lot of PR ladies, and they have your personality. I feel like you would really thrive in it. What's your personality? (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm
1: very extroverted. Uh Well, I don't think I was that much of an extrovert. Then maybe I was an ambivert, and then ended Mm -hmm. up now coming to my own yeah so when I was in high school I was a part of this club which was called Junior Achievement and they were trying to do job shadows so basically you get a one-day experience in your career of choice yeah just to understand what does right. this entail so that by the time you're choosing your career at least you have an idea of what you want to do so i was very fixated on being a lawyer but they didn't have any lawyers who signed up on the panel but interestingly there was a peerage which, which
0: institution is this that had job shadows this kind of program we did you so. must. <laughs> We never had those no. privileges.
1: Yeah. So part of the people on the panel was Ginadin corporate communications. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, since your second option is PR, then you could go for this. So I went to Jinadin in my uniform, and it was interesting because as much as I'd had of PR and everything. I quite hadn't grasped what that meant. So we basically got there at 8 a.m. and I did a full day. So I went through each and every department, just getting to know how everything is done. So I Mm -hmm. went to the media monitoring team. We went to the client service, went to the media service, went to production, just to have like a feel of what that felt like. And I was really excited about it because there was just something exciting and exhilarating about it. So I was made to speak on behalf of the students who had done their job shadow. And I'd say one day I will actually get to work there. I quite didn't understand the weight of what I was seeing until when it happened. First, I started off as a hostess when I was in college because we needed to get pocket money. So I used to do hostessing and uh, do hostessing for jean The The old white
0: uh, Asher. Yes, Asher, yes.
1: Yes. During that period, now I got to actually understand what PR and event management was on ground, you know. So I was very keen in what they were doing and Mm -hmm. I would ask a lot of questions and I made a lot of friends. So I did tell them that I'm looking to join and if they have any opportunity if I could be able to either intern or whatever. So I was lucky because I went there to, I was a placeholder for the receptionist. Ah. Yes, for a short period of time, the receptionist was on leave. And so I would do reception work during the day and then I'd assist in the evening. So because of that, I guess they saw something inside. Yes, started off doing media monitoring. And when I tell you that was the most boring thing I've ever done in my life...
0: Yeah, I just didn't enjoy the work Every but day that's the only thing you do Every and day I used to come, no come and of, read yeah.
1: Newspapers, re- literally mm-hmm. And cut off the papers mm-hmm. And then you measure So that you can be able to see the part Where the client is mentioned And then you can be able to now do the measurement To come
0: up with your PR values Wait, wait, explain <laughs> this Before
1: thing. that, before now where there's the real Forge and everyone yes. else yeah, We were doing it manually
0: Explain graphically, manually <laughs> <laughs> because I Maybe we thing. need
1: a newspaper. <laughs> Probably.
0: Because one of the things I saw when Michael Danford's son, mm. Martin Danford of Tamarind, mm. gave us this big black book, His Fathers. Mm-hmm. And every story he'd ever done Mm -hmm. since he started the practice,
1: they had them on a folder. Exactly. So we had those. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, by that time, I think Sinovates were doing the electronics. So we used to do the print. Yeah. So literally, come and you get like. How much coverage your client has gotten, Mm -hmm. and you measure so the length and the width, then you multiply it by um, by the add value Mm -hmm. times. Then for our agents, it was times three. Okay. Yes, and then now you have the PR value. So then what I would do is now compile. Get to the office very early in the morning. Make sure that if there's any negative stories, you alert the account managers in time. Mm-hmm. Then they would alert, of course, the client. And then compile all those into daily coverage, weekly coverage. And then we do now final monthly coverage, which should now entail the print and electronic. I don't think
0: Did you, you know? youngins would appreciate
1: that now. <laughs>
0: At least from the fact that we do research. We've had we've had people do that, yeah. we've seen it. Yeah. Did you know that and I won't say which organization these we were consulting for. Mm. And they were doing exactly that.
1: People are still doing that yeah. in this day and age. Yo. Imagine. Oh, wow. Anyway,
0: how long did you do the media monitoring? About so that six now- months. About six months. Okay. I was
1: ready to leave as soon yeah. as I came in. <laughs> I was lucky that the person who came in after me was very excited about it. He had all these amazing ideas of how we can now monitor our yeah. competitors and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you do it. <laughs> and he enjoyed it and I loved him doing it and I think he was thriving. But for me I wanted to interact with the clients. I wanted to come up with the amazing campaigns and everything. Yeah. yeah? So I was lucky because the person I was sitting next to at that point was doing, so she did the proposal of, for a campaign, a General Motors campaign. So I sat in through the brainstorming sessions and I helped her come up with a proposal and everything and when the campaign was Starting, it was a, a countrywide campaign. I was able to go to some of the events with her, but I didn't realize that she was planning to quit. Uh-huh. So she quit and she had some leave days. And of course, there was a crisis because there was no one to There's handle the campaign. Big hole, yes, yeah. So, of course, our boss was like, Now we don't have enough time to hire someone, blah blah blah. And that is how. -hmm. I was proposed to now move into the client service. Yes, yes. So the opportunity presented itself, and I enjoyed it. When Mm -hmm. I tell you, I thrived in it. We did such amazing campaigns. Were you sure
0: of what you're doing?
1: Oh yes, I had learnt because remember my focus was always on that. Mm -hmm. So over time, I had learnt, and the good thing is we had a good environment where we were learning from each other and shaping each other, and we had a good hierarchical system where you had an account manager and an account Mm -hmm. director who would guide you on what needed yeah. to be done and it helped that we were interacting with clients directly so you can see your, your proposals coming to life yes. and everyone wanting to do what it is that you, you have proposed, you know mm-hmm. um, and it gives you the so confidence you know okay. yeah okay. so if i did this and it was taken up then mm-hmm. i can do more you know yeah. so that pushed us and we were lucky because we had like really main accounts in the country we had the kqs and the safari Comms, and yeah. a lot of the blue chip a lot of smes as well and at that point i also used to do international conferences as well so that pretty much is what shaped my career into yeah. what i'm
0: doing now did you end up from jinaden to yes. to independent con-
1: no in between I worked at other places okay. so from Jinadin I went um, basically was team member 001 at Healthy Woman magazine and I was just looking agency work can be a bit taxing so I needed something different so mm-hmm. went into the media side launched uh, Healthy Woman set it up and was
0: that in relation to the taxing and mental health so that now you wanted to save humanity or that was just well I think, yourself, I-, I think in
1: Terms of we didn't have time, we mm-hmm. were really busy. You would end up having about seven clients that you're handling yeah. at a go, and most of them are taxing clients, it wasn't uh ad hoc clients. You know, you had I think Safaricom, Old Mutual, um, KQ, Unilever. It was there.
0: I think the largest employer among agency yes. at some point. Yes, yes. Yet you were still handling that The big accounts. team,
1: we were, We had many accounts. So everyone had their own account then of course you had assistance from other people.
0: Yeah. But the lot of work was really on the account executive. You mentioned slightly earlier that there were about three agencies at that time.
1: Yeah. I think back in the day there was three main agencies. There was okay. Ginadin, there was Scan Group and then there was Ogilvy. Those were the main mainstream agencies and a lot of us wanted to work for one or the other. So I ended up at Healthy Woman magazine and then from there I went to Laugh Industry, that is Churchill show. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes, Kids Festival. Mm -hmm. So I went in as a head of marketing and PR there, helped bring Churchill show back on air. Then 2013 I started having the hunger Mm -hmm. to do something on my own. So when we went for elections in 2013, I decided to just start. During that period, I got called by a friend who knew a friend who was looking for a consultant, a PR consultant. And it was an agency. They basically wanted a consultant to do brand PR for them. And that's basically how I started into my own consultancy. I consulted for several agencies before I got the confidence to clearly see that I'm now able and willing to build up something on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's
0: been going very well for you?
1: Ten years now. It's not been the easiest,
0: but it's been fulfilling. What has been your interesting account or activity?
1: Uh, well, Um, the beauty about agencies, there's so much variety var- in what yes, we do. And that's what I like because... Um, Today, I could be having a client in financial services. Tomorrow, I could be having a client in an NGO or whatever, you know. So at the beginning, my first ever event that we did was HP ElitePad. The ElitePad was meant to come into the market as a competitor to the iPad. I can't remember clearly the tagline, but it was something about flight. So we wanted to give people an experience whereby you could carry this in your car or you could travel with it onto the plane. But then, I don't think there was Wi-Fi or anything, but you could be able to still use this gadget. So Mm. what we did is we got guys to have breakfast at the Serena and then got them limos. Then we gave guys the Elite Pad for them to just experience it on their way to now the second location Mm -hmm. that we had and everyone was in a limo. Just to show the flight and movement and all that. We've had very amazing projects that we've done. We were part of Jogush coming out to doing
0: his yes, first stand-up comedy. That.
1: Yeah, God. yeah. That was exciting because we basically conceptualized what that event was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And initially when we started, we thought it was going to be a small event. But then as we kept on just working around it and seeing the potential of the event and telling the client, you know, it might be bigger and mm-hmm. we ended up having about 1,500 people yeah. on the ground. That was just before COVID because I remember it was in February then the lockdown happened in, mm-hmm. in March, you know. So um, just seeing brands and people growing and products being accepted into the market, I think that's the beauty of brand PR, you know. Yeah. Just putting out the word out there and seeing the growth. What was exciting I'd been in the business for two years and I saw an RFP in the newspapers. European Union wanted a consultant and I really didn't think I was going to get it. I was just like, you small little fish. Yeah. There's no way you know. But I still went ahead. I did my proposal. I sent it out. And two days later, I got a call. And I'm like, really? And it was a symposium that we were doing between the European Union and UNICEF on maternal health and nutrition. And um, they were... Installing the first lady, the former first lady, uh, Margaret Kenyatta as the nutrition champion. Yeah. That was interesting because there was a lot that I got to learn, you know, just about maternal health and everything. And I think for me, there was something exciting about working with this big organization. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that I can see was exciting. Mm-hmm. When Lancome Kenya was coming, Lancome was coming into the country mm-hmm. in Kenya. We were part of that. I don't know if you know Lancome, but it's a very big Luxury French brand, so they have makeup and they have perfumes and all that. And at that point, the brand ambassador was Lupita Nyong'o. We've been a part of brands like Mongala, L'Oreal.
0: Take us deep into one, let's say, Lancome. So they were doing a market entry, step by step, how this thing came to life. Okay. Because I know, of course, there's, oh, we are coming in, so Mm. what happens, DD and all that, to the point where you close the account.
1: Oh, Wow. So, of course, they wanted to get into the market. Some people had interacted with it, especially if you traveled and all that. And like I said, it's a luxury brand. I don't know if you know, a lot of luxury brands are not in the country. They would go to South Africa. So you'd either have to travel to the UK, to Europe, the US, or South Africa to be able to get some of these brands. So, of course, there was a lot of excitement when we announced that Lancome is coming into the country, you know, and it's this amazing, beautiful French brand brand, you know. It helped that there was already an association with Lupita Nyong'o being a Kenyan, you know, and she had just made it big in the in the production industry, you know. Yeah. So we of course sent out a press release. We worked with a lot of influencers to help us. Influencers? Get they, what, which year is this? Jeez, it wasn't that long ago. Okay. <laughs> was that was maybe 2016, 2017. Uh, okay. I, was, yeah. I was yeah. yeah. 2016 something. 2016, 2017, they about, I can't quite recall the time. Actually, I think 2015. Digital had just, it was maybe about three, four years into Uh social uh media. We were just getting influencers, so not many people had the numbers or anything, but there were a few who had gotten wind of the influence in yeah. life. So we were able to work with, I think, Sylvia Jockey, Carol Kibati, I think initially. And then we ended up working with others, Pinky Gelani and all that. Uh-huh. And a lot of them didn't have that many numbers. Because yeah. I remember like Pinky was just trying to push a brand. And she offered to, like for us to just give her the brands and then she would use those. Yeah, so she actually c- created yeah. content mm-hmm. around that and everything. And it, I should believe that it helped boost her numbers. Yeah. So we used a lot of digital, we used a lot of, um, nano influencers, but you didn't know then yeah, that there was anything, anything called this. nano influencers, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we used a lot of our friends and it was a really amazing campaign. Of course we had various events. We had a media launch. The media came in and we walked them through what Lancôme was all about. We had makeup artists and everything. So they got to experience the makeup. And then a week later, now we had the official launch, which happened at the French ambassador's residence. Mm-hmm. And we got like the international makeup artists to come and do makeup for everyone. And it was the talk of the town at that point, you know, because there was this whole experience that we created, you know, you felt like you walked into a French shop, you yeah. know. They experiential aspect of things, guys got to experience the brand, they got to actually take home like every product in terms of skincare, in terms of the perfumes and everything. To date, I still have journalists who ask me why I don't get such amazing clients anymore. Then, of course, we went into doing a lot more experiential marketing in the stores, in the malls and all that, just trying to get more people to experience the product and hopefully convert them to the sales.
0: You know what excites me Mm -hmm. is um, the fact that you did this whole activation in the embassy. Not many brands do that now.
1: No, that was fantastic because even in terms of the caliber of guests that we got, you know, we were looking for the creme de la creme. When you hear that it's at the French ambassador's residence... It,
0: law of attraction. Exactly,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. So there's an attractiveness to that, mm. and security knowing that this brand is affiliated yeah. to such authority and yeah. all that. We have done several presidential events, from Mikey Baki when I was at Gina Dean, into Uhuru Kenyatta. I have not been
0: fortunate to work with the I mean, current took, president. I need, it's it's a couple
1: of is. months. But I think that protocol aspect is what a lot of people don't take into account.
0: I remember being blocked from accessing my own event.
1: Yeah, there's so many intricate things that you have to take into account when doing a presidential event that goes beyond just what you do for a normal event. So what I always say is it's important to incorporate the presidential team from the onset when you're planning so that you can be able to incorporate everything that they need incorporated and so that they can also feel seen and heard. And it helps to just avoid any last minute crisis because... You thought things would run smoothly the way you want them to. But then the presidential team have a different um, view of things, you know. So when you work with the protocol team and they give you the guidance on what they need, what they require, it makes it so much easier for you to, to do the event. Have you
0: been in a in a planning team where you are planning for the president and the president did come <laughs> I've been
1: there uh, i have actually oh my gosh so we had planned for months on end for this event and it's been books his calendar has been booked, and everything we have planned we started set up and it was during an election period. And then it was that time when they were doing schedules, like this week, the president is going to was in Gishu, what, 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 yes. everything. And we get a poster <laughs> and the event is happening tomorrow. And we're seeing the president is going to be, I don't know, in Transoe or something. <laughs> so we start making calls, yeah. you know, like frantically. And, and you know, because at times they they don't want to. They commit, tell you too so, close. The, yes, they tell yeah. you too close. So we, we are just told, you know, just carry on everything and we set up and unfortunately by the evening it was confirmed that he would not be able to make it so some of those things i wish you could be able to do them better
0: you've seen the way in the u.s you literally know where the president is going to be
1: but i would understand because of security matters as well because when you know too much of what the president is doing then it makes him a target So we've had situations where we've set up, the event has not happened, or you set up and you have to wait for several hours for the president to appear, you know. But if you do event management, I believe you have to be malleable. You have to be able to roll with the punches. So just managing that communication better Mm -hmm. and just being in close contact with the team, then it might help, although it's only to
0: a certain extent.
1: It can become a crisis because maybe someone has just set aside the two hours for the event, but then the president comes in four hours later.
0: Of course, now you have to bear the cost. You'll find ways. Thank you very much, Lini. We appreciate it.
1: All right.